Okay, Chavra. Shalom Uvracha. Thank you guys so much for joining. What a privilege to learn with you. From here, Yerushalayim, Merakodesh, Amish So thank you so much for taking of your time to continue exploring Rabbi Nachman's masterpiece, Sichas Ran, with all of us together, with the help of the Master of the World. I presume there are faces behind these screens. And so, although I cannot see you, unfortunately for me, it is wonderful to be able to sit together. Okay, so let me share my screen. Ah, Ashayna Punim. Good to see you, Shimon. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen and let us jump into the very lengthy, the very lengthy, ah, you know what, before we get into the very lengthy Sichas Ran Nun, we're going to first take a look at Sichas Ran Memtes, much shorter teaching and much in the way of Sicha Nun, these are like Sichas that you just, we have to learn. We, <laughs> I don't know how much practical application there is for us. They are difficult, particularly Sicha Nun, which we'll speak about. But Sicha Memtes, there's got to be something here for us. Reb Nassim recorded it, and it means to say that there's some value here. And let's try to figure out what that value is for you. And I, B'siyat with the help of the Master of the World, says the Heliger Rebbe, with regard to Kiddush Hashem, to sacrificing our lives, Al Kiddush Hashem, which like all the tzaddikim told us, it's a much bigger Indian to live Al Kiddush Hashem than to die Al Kiddush Hashem. None of us should ever know such a thing. Baruch Hashem in our times, it's not so prevalent, but to live Al Kiddush Hashem, that's already something else. And that's what we're called upon to do each and every day. Can't give a shir, matzah tu b'shvat, tu b'shvat for the rest of the chevra here in New York or around the world where you are. Um, without, without mentioning Tu Bishvat, in the Indian of Tu Bishvat, there's so much to speak about, there's so much depth, there's so much amkus. But one overarching theme of Tu Bishvat is the Nakuda of growth. There's something very particular about the way in which plants, trees specifically, encapsulate growth. Because they don't hatch. And... They don't, much like other animals, you know, six months after they're born, they're already doing more amazing things physically than the human being can accomplish, maybe, you know, in, in his fully adult life after many, many years. Trees are not that way. Trees have a process. You have to plant the seed and you have to pour in a lot of effort and a lot of hazor and bedima, a lot of tears and a lot of patience, a lot of sablanut. And the whole process, like the tzaddikim described, Rabbi Nachman and Torah Kufnun, hey, hints to this, alludes to this, but it's in... It's in Olam Lutruf, I believe it's the third or fourth letter to his brother, Rabbi Chil, where he says this explicitly, and Rabbi Nassim brings it a lot, or other tzaddikim, that a seed must rot before it can begin to send forth roots that firmly entrench this potential growth in a ground that's going to literally ground it and give it that potential to reach upward toward the sky. So how many of us feel that way? That we also are part of a process. That our growth is also, we don't, we don't just hatch from one day to the next, right? It takes a long, protracted period of time and sometimes it's going to feel like we're rotting. But the deepest secret of life is, Rabbi Nachman makes this point in Kufnun Hay, that just like a seed is going to rot, but it requires fertile ground in order to facilitate its growth, to make sure that like Rabbi Nachman says in his Lushen, it's not 
a an eventuality of nirk of mamish, where it actually literally rots and stays rotten, but rather the rotting is itself part of the growth process. We need fertile ground. Rabbi Nachman says, like the graphic we sent out earlier, what is the fertile ground? An hour growth process, an hour rotting, in order to take root and grow and build and go through things, much like a person gets a cut and then it scars over if it's a bad cut and it's much tougher than it was before and all of life is like this. We're going to need fertile ground of faith. Rabbi Nachman says that the fertile ground that's associated with well entrenched plants so that they can withstand storms, so that they can endure the test of time, that well fertilized soil is faith, is amuna. Mordechai raised Hadassah. The word that the Megillah uses is oimein, which of course is Milashan, emuna, faith. Faith. That's the fertile ground that's going to enable us, even when we go through our periods of rotting, we go through what we go through, and how much doubt, doubt in ourselves, doubt in Hashem, and we go through these periods of time where we have gaps, and we don't feel as if we're striving and flourishing, and we can't see it with our eyes, but if we have a well, well um, saturated setting of, of nutrients, and of, and of, and of, which are ultimately founded upon our, our faith, our general direction in life, that we have that, what we refer to in the story of the lost princess and the story of our lives as a makom. We have that makom that the princess tells the viceroy to go and find for himself, choose for himself a makom. We have that place, so then we'll make it. And we're going to stay away from nirk of mamish. And so the whole thing of Tubishvat is living al Kiddush Hashem, flourishing, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult. We dafka celebrate, of course, Tubishvat, dafka in the middle of the winter. Yes, it was one of the coldest days in Eretz Yisrael. The whole entire, the whole entire winter, dafka now, dafka now, because we're celebrating not the result, but we're celebrating rather the process. Mamish, the process we're celebrating, and the process begins from now, and that's the time to celebrate. What are we celebrating already? A baby's born. We have a bris tomorrow. What the baby do already? You're celebrating. Everybody's celebrating the baby. What are we celebrating? No, but in Yiddishkeit we celebrate the haschala. We celebrate the process, the process of growth to live al kiddush Hashem. But if here of Nachman is talking about the Indian of Kiddush Hashem, of passing away, Rachman al-Itzlan, of generations, grandparents, great-grandparents, of Masru Nafshem al Kedusha Hashem, like we say, Hana'avim Mechayeyem, Uvamaisim Lenefradu, Zuchrein Levracha, Chazal say, Sha'amu Rabbi Seinen, Zuchrein Levracha, the Gemarim Ksubis, says, Elmali Nagdu'a Lechanan Mimishal Va'azariya, Vichulu, the Gemara is trying to prove that Malchus is even worse than threat of death, that they would have given them Malchus, then the Gemara says they would have they would have not been able to uh, to withstand the test. They would not have given themselves, submitted themselves to Misa, but they would rather gone ahead and did whatever it was that was being asked of them to bow down to the idol or whatever it was over there. And Rabbi Nachman says, and it's based on Ramban. Rabbi Nachman doesn't quote the Ramban, but the Ramban says this pretty explicitly. Amr he says, okay, Chazal are trying to make a point, right? That Malchus is, is, is stronger and it would have made more difficult for them. But he says, it doesn't mean that they actually would have failed this test if the threat would have been Malchus, lashes, as opposed to the threat of being thrown into an oven. <speaking in Hebrew> Don't become discouraged by this Maimur Chazal that are saying, even on the greatest Sadiqim, okay, it's very nice, they were able to withstand that test, but if it would have been stronger, nobody would have been able to. Rabbi Nachman says, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's like almost a limut schus an Am Yisrael. Don't worry. Even though Chazal say this, there were Yidin 
thousands of them, tens of thousands of them throughout history, who submitted themselves to even far worse Yisurim than even Malkus. Kol ha-Yisurim probably a reference to Tach V'tah, right? That, that incredible massacre of Chalmaniki massacres that took place a number of decades before Ibn Achman was, was, was born. And that was the reason that Rabbi Nachman wanted to be buried in Uman Dafka because over there 10,000 Jews, men, women, and children were murdered in the span of a week and the streets were running with Jewish blood like rivers. Rabbi Nachman said that he wanted Dafka to be buried in that place. First of all, Mitzido from his standpoint so that he could be Misak in the Neshamas. But now think of just the reason that Rabbi Nachman was buried there, how many thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of Yidin over the 200 years that Rabbi Nachman promised that whoever comes to his caver and puts a, a, a pruta and tzedakah and says, the Tikkun HaKlali, Rabbi Nachman's going to span the stretch, in the world to come, to pull him out of Gehenim, whatever this means, Rabbi Nachman is going to be a Melitz Yosher, how many hundreds of thousands of Prakim of Tehillim, hundreds of thousands of Jews, millions of of Tillam were set in that place in the darkest, darkest, pitch black darkness of Jewish history, frozen in that place, cemented in time, and you can feel it in the air. And nobody goes to Uman because it's essentially an Ira Kodesh. We go to Uman, Uman's the, the, the dreck of the world, it's the lowest, darkest, most, most incredibly incredibly impure place. Rabbi Nachman, somebody understands Rabbi Nachman, knows that it's not despite the nature of Uman that Rabbi Nachman wanted to be buried there. It's specifically because the Tzaddik Emes, the Tzaddik Yisod Olam, the channel that's bringing down the deepest, deepest lights down to the world on every level, Baruch Niyus is able to be buried in such a place so that his light can reach even there. And so that all of us can be drawn to that place and further be metahir, that air, and further rectify all of that incredible darkness darkness that, that Am Yisrael experienced in that place. Rabbi Nachman says, probably again referring to that, not so much you know, past Rabbi Nachman's own time, really before Rabbi Nachman came to the world, did they experience Misa al Kiddush Hashem on this level. Fortunate are they. And it's interesting, I mean, who could say? Rabbi Nachman doesn't say me adoras Doesn't doesn't have to be specifically the generations before him. Maybe over here Ben Achman's also hinting a little bit to the to the Holocaust. A little bit adoras hasmuchim lufanenu could mean either before us, it could mean after us, right? Maybe over here there's a little bit of a hint. Whatever they went through tachvatat, maybe who who's to say and measure? But the Holocaust was was worse, right? I mean maybe maybe tens and hundreds of thousands or millions of times worse, certainly quantitatively, how many Yidin that we lost. The whole European Jewry and Gedolim and Sadiqim and, and we can't even begin to fathom, to, to begin to fathom what Yidin went through because they held on to the fertile ground of faith and they didn't rot, they didn't rot in the ground. Now, Mamash, they went up to Shemaim, straight to Shemaim, to the Kisya Kavad, and they unlocked the gates for Yerushalayim. And they unlocked the gates for the Gu'ul of the world. And that noise was so loud that a Kaddish Baruch Hu perhaps couldn't even say, Stoik, if I hear one more word, I'm destroying the world. No, maybe a Kaddish Baruch Hu allowed it, allowed all of those claims and all those screams and all those cries to enter into his ear, Kiviyachal. And maybe a Kaddish Baruch Hu allowed the Demois. The two tears that Chazal tell us drip into the Yama Gadol, the Koil Nishma Misoifa Oilam Bat Soifai. 
the end, at at, maybe all those neshamas, our mom is bringing the geula and they're opening all the gates for us. But those tzaddikim, those kedoshim, all the kedoshim throughout Jewish history, both lederes hasmuchim lefaneinu in the sense that it came before Ibn Achman's time and before Rabbi Nachman's time, and that we're talking about it now, is Rabbi Nachman a little bit, he's trying, to, he's trying to say he doesn't want a person to learn this Gemara and sort of look down on any of the Kedoshim in the sense that maybe it wasn't so bad because if it would have been worse, who knows if they would have held out. Rabbi Nachman says, no, there were Jews who went through the worst things imaginable. And not for one second did that fertile ground of faith let fail to hold them up and to allow them to entrench themselves in that in that realm of emuna, in that realm of mysterious nefesh, and they gave themselves with kedusha and tara yotzunishmasam be'echad. So Rabbi Nachman is, is is standing oimid beperets as usual and being malamitzchus and am Yisrael to us to our kaddish baruch Hu, and that we should remember who we come from. We should remember not that not that we're descendants of of, of great. Uh, you know, inventors and, and, and physicists and look what contributions they made to the world. Maybe not. Maybe not. But we're descended from the most noble, shining beacons of light captured in physical flesh that the world couldn't begin to fathom who were carrying within their minds that perhaps were embodied in a very misshapen kind of, of, of face and under a very bent down dirty hat and maybe a hunchback bent over walking down the street but whose heart and mind were filled with, 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 the, with the cosmos, were filled with infinite, infinite depth and beauty and wonder and vision and vision and faith for the world, for humanity, and what kind of awe our grandparents and great-grandparents were, were channeling down. And to see these pictures, it would be bad enough to see one human being doing any of those things to another human being. It would be bad enough and tragic enough. But these Rishayim, Rahman al-Islam, throughout history, they, they couldn't begin to fathom what they couldn't begin to fathom, what they couldn't begin to fathom, what they were tampering with. But Bechlal, this thing is called a Yid. And Bechlal, what this beard is that they're cutting off. And Bechlal, what this mind that they denigrate and trample upon because physically, externally, six sons doesn't look so exciting. But that princess-oriented, expansive love for the world, faith in the world, fixing of the world, they couldn't begin to fathom. And so how much more tragic. But we are gifted with the obligation to carry on that legacy in a way of life. And we're called upon to do this every day. We speak about this so often in all of the shiurim, specifically in this series, to make use of our time, to realize and remember we are sent here on a mission, not to kick our feet up. Sometimes we also need to kick our feet up, but that's the outlier, right? Meaning that that's the exception. Generally speaking, we need to be focused, mission-oriented, no matter who you are, no matter what stage in life. And we're not saying that every person needs to take on to themselves big, massive, overarching projects and glorious things to impact other people, change the world. What, in whatever you're doing, whatever your responsibilities are, if it's making parnasa to support a family, if you're at home with the kids, if it's making dinner, whatever it is, the regular day-to-day -day things, but it should all be part of a mission. It shouldn't be stam, these are the chores that I have to do. It, it should be with consciousness, with focus and, and, and kavana, because we can, based on the kavana that we have, we can transform 
transform. We can absolutely transform the mundane, the otherwise mundane chores, or whatever it is that we're engaged with, that we think are just regular responsibilities. We can turn it into holy, holy avoidus, flickering torches of gilig foy shemaim. And that's what we're called upon to do day in, day out. We get out of bed in the morning. This is our focus. We're on a mission. And we don't know, Heber, and I bless us all the time to live till mamish 120. Really, la'av, like we say, we should live for all eternity. But we're not guaranteed eternity. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. And dare I say, we're not even guaranteed in an hour from now. That means that right now is life. That means that right now was worth not only for me to come down to the world for this moment, but for the entire world that was only ever created, Bishvili, who my, myself was created for this moment. The whole world was created for this moment. Mamash for this moment to maximize that, to be aware what the mission is, what we're trying to do. Not a bunch of disparate mitzvahs, a little bit tefillah here, learning here, a couple of mitzvahs, wrap on tefillah and wrap off tefillah and tzitzahs, lighting Shabbos candles, hilchas this, that, all the different things. But to see a holistic mission, each and every chilek that we just mentioned, of which is part of this gigantic mosaic, this gigantic national effort to further channel godliness, yashras, clarity, ms, das, into a world that's so desperately, desperately in need of what we uniquely are positioned, or are positioned uniquely to give. So mamas to be aware of that, this mission, this mission to live Al-Kiddush Hashem, not forget, dying Al-Kiddush Hashem, Baruch Hashem, that's not our sign. to live Al-Kiddush Hashem. We should be zaycheh. Okay, let's jump into Sicha Haran Nun. Sicha Haran Nun is very lengthy. I'm just going to scroll down so you can just see what we're dealing with here. It's, it's, it's pretty lengthy, and it's a well-known Sicha. And depending on who you are, people have very, very mixed feelings about this Sicha. Now, because this topic of doctors and the medical establishment is a hot topic these days, a very, very hot topic these days with very extreme divergent opinions on either side. Some people may find it particularly relevant, right? Depending on who you are, you may find it particularly relevant and maybe Adarabi, you may find it as a, as a very strong um, haskama to whatever your particular take is on doctors or on the medical establishment, while others may feel that it's a dangerous sicha, specifically in times like now, again, depending on your position on things like the vaccine and corona and different, different inyanim around this general parasha that we're in, you might feel that it's, it's the opposite of that. And what, what kind of a fkerus is this to speak this way about medicine? And I want to say just mirosh, you're both wrong. You're, if you're either one of these kinds of people, you're both wrong. What's the MS? It's a third thing. How do I know that? Because Rabbi Nachman was speaking about medicine. We're going to see, and he maybe even says explicitly, 250 years ago, saying something that was close to three, closer to 300 years ago than 200 years ago, than even 250 years ago. And it was a very different story then. So this isn't to say that we can prove from the Sikha that you're either right or you're the wrong. You can hold what you want to hold, and we're not going to get into that whole sigil right now at all. We're going to see people dropping off the Zoom call one by one. We're not getting into this at all because that's not on a kuda, and it's a bunch of shtuyot, and who cares? And okay, that, that itself is controversial. Maybe you think it's not shtuyot. Okay, we can talk about that a different time. But one thing is, I'll tell you, Meirosh, you are not going to be able to prove one thing from the sicha, not for, not against. I think that for many, many people, if they have the misfortune, of not really having enough emuna in the tzaddik, 
And to sort of peruse Sicha Saran, you know, in terms of educational material, something interesting, see what Rabbi Nachman of Breslov said, and then they come to Sicha Nun, sometimes they could be very turned off because either they don't have that understanding that Rabbi Nachman was speaking about something completely different or the medical establishment represented back then a very long period of time ago, or because of their feeling that there's a certain extremism here, not understanding the underlying message Rabbi Nachman means to be giving over, which is of course a message that applies to our Avodah Hashem today, irrespective of our engagement with trust in love of, or the opposite of doctors and the medical establishment. But whatever the reason is, this can turn them off in such a way that they'll never get to see Chonun Aleph which I believe Mamish, perhaps, if it's even shaykh to say this out of our mouth, such a thing, but again, it's a mushal, Chazal say, klipa kodemus lepri. You know, there's always a shell, there's always a peel, particularly apropos for Tu there's always a peel before the fruit. There's, a, there's always something you gotta peel off, there's something that you gotta get past until you can get to the fruit. In my humble, tiny opinion, not that this implies that Sichon Nun is the klipa, chas v'shalom, in any way, shape, or form. But one thing I can tell you, Sichon Nun Aleph is the pre. That's for sure. Sichon Nun Aleph, which is the next Sicha after this, is one of the most fundamental teachings and really collection of teachings, not only in Sicha Saran, I dare say in the entire corpus of Kisvei Breslev. Sichon Nun Aleph, it's legendary. So what a chaval it would be if because of our misinterpretation or because of our strong feelings, again, I don't know if Heber do have strong feelings or not have strong feelings, I know I don't, but to allow that to cause us to feel a certain way or to misinterpret or misunderstand and to try to see the Sicha through the lens of current events, which is never a good thing to do when we're talking about a historical uh, you know, analysis of a, of a circumstance that existed a long period of time ago and to allow that to prevent us from moving forward to Sicha and Aleph, I feel would be a tremendous, tremendous mistake. Why then are we learning Sicha Nun Nun, excellent question. It's part of Sicha Saran. There's going to be value here. First of all, in Rabbi Nachman's wit, he's very strong in the Sicha on certain Nikudas. And, and, and I think there, there, there is something in the way of relevant, practical, applic uh, you know, applicable information that we're going to learn that I think irrespective of our position on any current medical uh, uh, episodes or, or, or circumstances, whatever's going on now, I think could be applied across the board. And I think we could all get behind. I think we could, we could all agree on. And so we're gonna try to focus on those nikudas that are that are, that are nefesh, right? Not just in terms of where we're holding, but in terms of where we are on the spectrum of these very hot button issues uh, today with very strong feelings on a lot of different sides about a lot of different things. We're gonna to try to focus on what's relevant for us and try to look past those things if they appear to be extreme or they appear to be against our own feeling and understand again with the caveat, and there's not apologetics, it's true, right? The Ibn Akhman was speaking about a very, very different circumstance than we have today. Okay, without, with that very important hakadama, without further ado, let us dive into Sichas Ranun. We're not going to learn any other sources. We're just going to try to get through this tonight. And then Be'ez Hashem, next week we'll pick up with Sichon and Aleph. And again, if there was Mamish one shear to make sure to come to, it's going to be a collection of shear because it's also pretty long and every piece is a whole nother world. Sichon and Aleph. Mamish Sichon and Aleph. Okay, so with that in mind. Me'inyin daktoyrim urafuas. With regard to doctors, again, every word 
needs to be understood in the historical context of what doctors meant then, urufuas and medicine, what medicine meant then, says nothing about today, not for, not again, says nothing about today. It's just, it's not relevant to today at all. In this Nakuda, here Baladabri Monoma Oid. Rabbi Nachman spoke about this a lot. And of course, if you're a doctor, this certainly does not apply to you today. We have to be very, very clear on what exactly Rabbi Nachman was speaking about. As he'll make it pretty clear himself. But people have this funny minhag with Breslov where they skip over the most important parts. You ever notice this? They'll learn everything else, but like the most important words they'll pretend not to have seen. And then they'll say something that Rabbi Nachman never said. People have this kind of Indian with, with Breslov. It's a very strange thing. So we're going to try not to do that. So let's, let's, let's read very carefully with an open ear and an open eye. Rabbi Nachman was, was denigrating all the time the Indian of, of, of medicine and doctors and he warned people again and again to any person that wanted to protect and have mercy on themselves and on their children and grandchildren to stay as far away as you possibly can from doctors and from refuas. If you happen, again, just to clarify, if you happen to be an anti-vaxxer and you read this word and you even have a tinge in your mind to say, ha, Rabbi Nachman said it first, he didn't. Okay, he did it. Again, not saying what I have an opinion or other Binaqua would have had an opinion on the vaccine. We're not going there. But this is not that. Let's make that very, very clear. Okay, that should be very clear to all of us. He's talking about, in his time, Daika. What would he say about today? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask him after 120. I have a whole list of things I'm looking forward to asking him. Okay, so maybe I'll, I'll let you know, you know. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we should all live long enough to be able to see him alive. in Outside the third base of Okay, so we'll ask him this question. What did, what did he hold? What would he have hold? But this is not it. Okay, that's, that's very clear. So he says like this. To stay very far away from this whole Indian of medicine doctors. And even if a person has a very, very sick person in his household, his child is sick, a spouse, a parent. Even if the the, the chalas and the and the sickness is very strong, let him cast his whole burden onto Hashem, and to rely on a Kaddish Baruch Hu alone, and not to, to get involved at all in any medicine and doctors. Now, what's important to, to, to point out here is that a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that you see from here that Rabbi Nachman didn't believe in Ishtadlus. He didn't believe in it. Because you see, I mean, does it get more extreme? A person's ill, a person's sick. I mean, the most basic things, try to get them help. And you see Rabbi Nachman says, no, you can just rely on tefillah. The way in which we're able to know that this is an exception and not the general rule in Breslev is because you don't find this by any other Indian. Rabbi Nachman encouraged his, his, his Hasidim to go to work and he has tires, long, beautiful tires about what a tikkun it is and how important it is that we can support our families. Rabbi Nachman says this explicitly in Chaim Aran that if a person doesn't go to work, then he has to work very hard on his bitachin, his amuna. He spends all of his time, his whole focus in Yiddishkeit, his bitachin amuna. He says, go to work, support your family in a way of Ishtadlos and work on other things. You'll expand the, brand, the bandwidth of what we're able to accomplish in our Vodas Hashem if we're able to bring in a steady parnasa. In the story of the 
lost princess the viceroy asked for money and, uh, well yes for money we'll get to that in a minute but for a servant a horse and money for expenses, right? And we learn that all these three things represent different key elements that are necessary for our spiritual growth. And one of them, of course, is money for expenses. We have to do that. And we have to be able to find a way to do a stadless in that, which we say in a footnote is perhaps encapsulated in the viceroy's travel through deserts, fields, and forests, each of which is his avoida in these three inyanam. It's not enough to dab and frit. Of course, it's enough. But a Kodesh Baruch who wants that we should go ahead and get involved. The Medrash Tehillim, Medrash Shokhatov says explicitly in, in, in today's language, people caps encapsulated it into a phrase, God helps those who help themselves, right? But the mentors really says that pretty explicitly. Urban Achman was not anti-Hishtablus. In the context of what we're going to learn about the state of medicine, Urban Achman's time, Adarabah, it was a stronger Hishtablus. People don't understand. Urban Achman felt this, this is within the gather of Hishtablus. Urban Achman's not even here talking about Amuna. Rabbi Nachman felt that the state of medicine in that time was so incredibly detrimental and so haphaj and so and so not uh, um, approved by any regulatory system that Rabbi Nachman felt it was a stronger hishtadlus. That's very key. It was a stronger hishtadlus in this case to rely on tefillah. Doesn't mean that Rabbi Nachman felt that in such a case, don't do hishtadlus at all and just go straight into Amuna land. Rabbi Nachman wasn't saying that. Rabbi Nachman was saying that because of the state of medicine of that time, it was a worse nukuda and, and root outs hishtadlus to use doctors instead of, instead of turning to Hashem. It's a very, very key point. A key, key, key point. This is one of the, 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 the reasons that people feel a little bit worried about Breslov because the extremism that this can cause is an unbelievable hefkeris. It's an unbelievable lack of achrayis. You have people who get into Breslau and they read without a critical eye, and uh, and that's it. Rachman people could be literally with 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 yenamachla, right? And we have things that are proven to work, right? In in whatever sense, the cheshbonis need to be made about quality of life, echule, quality, quantity. But that 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 won't won't go to chemo, and they won't try to do radiation and won't try to do anything for themselves at all, and you can't argue with them because sichanun. And I I, I believe that. This approach, especially as it relates to other areas of our lives, particularly Parnassa, particularly other Nakudas, if if you know your your roof is broken and there's a leak and and, 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 and rain is, is falling down onto your floor, an extremist Breslov view that can be fostered by a Sikha like this, which seems to deny his childless, which seems to deny his is the person just won't do anything, won't fix it, won't do won't do anything. Won't make any effort in this world to try to improve his or her circumstances. If it's them, it's bad enough. But what about for their family, for their wives, for their kids? To do basic ishtadlus. Make sure the things are working. That's how a Kaddish Baruch will arrange the world. Are you bigger than Yaakov Avinu? The Yaakov Avinu splits his camp into Shtei Machanis. The Yaakov understood the Nakud of ishtadlus. He prepares with tefillah. He prepares for battle. Hashem created humans. He wants us to live. And the reason that this misinterpretation happens is because we presume that Ibn Achman is making a distinction here between Ishtadlus and Bitachon, basically saying you don't need to do Ishtadlus. I'm coming to clarify that Ibn Achman is speaking in the Geder of Ishtadlus, saying that in our 
desire to do the necessary hishtadlus in this circumstance, at that time in history, Ibn Achman says, it was more of a hishtadlus, again, to go ahead and to daven. That's a hugely important distinction. Hugely important distinction. Even if they're very well-known famous doctors, don't rely on them. Don't rely on them. Do not give your life over into their hands. Because they are likely to do more harm than they are to do good. Again, this doesn't mean all doctors from the beginning of time to the end of time doesn't mean that we can channel and funnel every single opinion that we have in the modern age based on the opinions of Rabbi Nachman with regard to a circumstance of 200 plus years ago. But this is what the Rebbe said about then. Based on medicine back then, that it was very much reliant on the nature of the person, and there were different tebas and different, different, right? Like the Rambam brings down, it's the old science, right? Maybe science will come back around to that. I don't know that we're mechuyiv to believe every single word about science that comes out of the out of the mouths of the tzaddikim. Chazal is maybe a different Indian, and they had soide soides, but throughout history, all the time, Chazal utilized the science of the day to apply to mishalim, for example. And they developed as science developed. And that's, that's, not, that's not a problem at all. But back then, Rabbi Nachman felt, much like modern science felt, that it was reliant on different natures. Some people are more hot. Some people are colder. Some people have this nature, dry, lach, wet, you know, and so on and so forth. And he says it's impossible for the doctors to really genuinely know and understand what nature this particular person has, what the nature of this particular illness is, because there are distinctions in time. We don't have people that are so wise and so bright that they're able literally to be able to pinpoint down to the, you know, last detail of every alignment to understand what exactly needs to be done. And it's impossible that they shouldn't make some mistake in the details. Again, he lived in a time where the doctors themselves would admit this. They didn't know. Medicine was just beginning to emerge. It was the earliest, earliest stages of modern medicine. And so they themselves would be moide. And these doctors could very, very easily, not because they're evil, they're well-meaning, but just because of the nature of what was available to them in terms of information, equipment, and so on and so forth, testing, regulation, v'chulei, it's very, very easy for them to damage in such a terrible way. And to make such a mistake that nobody can fix, to make it much worse than it was. Even the big, big, big doctors. Then, right, in his place in Ukraine, you think about medicine in Ukraine now, now think about 300 years ago, right? <laughs> right? So he says, these doctors that are found in our places, what are they doctors? They don't know their right hand from their left hand, these people. He says, they're mamish murderers. You can see how a person would take this to an extreme and now allow this to be the lens through which he views the doctor who lives next door to him. Murderers, mamish, doctors. It's a terrible thing. People don't know how to think. It's a terrible, terrible thing. You have to read with a critical eye and listen very deeply. What's the Rebbe saying and about what? 
not stop to take things and run with them. It's a big kilkel. It's a big, big kilkel. Big kilkel. We have to be very careful with this stuff. We have to read it because he wrote it. We have to be very, very careful. And the murdering people with their hands. I could just see it already. Rabbi Nachman of Brest live on the corona vaccine. Right? They could do such things, these people. It's unbelievable. You have to be very, very gentle and careful with what the Rebbe is doing and what he's saying in what context. The Rebbe says about those doctors, you have to run away from them. That they shouldn't kill you, Mamish, and kill the Choyla that you gave to them. Like he says, like it's like the Amalchamavis. He says it's a big sakana, it's a bigger sakana than it would have been if you would have just left him and davened. That would have been a bigger ishtadlus than to give him in the hands of one of these doctors that aren't doctors. They can make big, 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 big kilka blemishes. Says it's impossible to say and describe everything that Rabbi Nachman said with regard to this matter. When he was in Lemberg, there was a very, very big convention of doctors. Kiyadur Ben Achman liked to speak to everybody, all kinds of people. Again, so Ben Achman was not just pulling this out of nowhere. Ben Achman had spoken to doctors, consulted with them. He understood medicine well. Ben Achman understood medicine well. And he says that this doctor was made to Rabbi Nachman that he advises that it's better to stay away from Rufus and Daktarim. He says because they had already been so much, you know, in the details, and maybe this, or maybe that works, maybe this one, and this one came out with that paper, and this one came out with that study, and to the end of the day, nobody knows anything anymore. They came to a point of realizing that it's even impossible to fully understand this, at least, again, based on their access to equipment and, and, and studies and so on and so forth. To really understand things. And they, they, they're all fighting with each other. This works better. No, this works better. He says, in this place, Lemberg, there are two different kitas of doctors that have opinions about a specific kind of sickness, very dangerous, how to treat this. One, you know, gigantic, uh, uh, what, what do they call like um, the word cohort of doctors, one cohort of doctors says, I marish a call advar machazakim sheishlem ezacharifus, mazik ma'idluze. If you eat something spicy, if you eat something sharp, very, very dangerous. You just have to take very soft things, gentle, sweet things. But the other cohort, they say the exact opposite. You need to go ahead and you need to take strong things and sharp things. And on the contrary, sweet things, soft things, very damaging for this. Everybody brings proof. Everybody did studies. Everybody comes with their, with their academic papers. 
But each of them, with all of their studies, is going to say that whoever does the opposite, is taking a poison. So what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what, what are you supposed to do? We trust doctors. But we presumably should trust all doctors, right? We're trusting their studies. We should trust their studies. We don't believe that they're trying to kill people. It's just the nature then, back then, of the reality of the medical establishment back then that it just wasn't possible. They didn't have all the ac access to all the necessary information to really understand these things. And so they came with all the riots that they had. And Rabbi Nachman says, what are you going to do? Whatever you do, you're kill based on the other's opinion, you're, you're, killing, you're killing your kid. You're killing the, the patient. Whoever's doing the opposite, it's, it's poison. Nimsa, it emerges. And according, according to the first cohort, if you did anything that the second cohort of doctors said, you're killing the person. But guess what? Well, the other doctors happen to feel the opposite. And, and all these are great, great doctors. They don't know the first thing that they're talking about. And we can't really know who's right at all. Sometimes it comes out that if you take bitter things, it's damaging. And sometimes it comes out the opposite. Again, because they didn't have the, the, the ability to do controlled studies and things like this. It, was, it wasn't like it is today. They couldn't do that then. And even today, with controlled studies, without getting into this nikuda, but we find ourselves in a similar matzah today, where you have doctors on both sides of the aisle with all their studies and all their things takes a great deal of das, you know, an open-mindedness to really be mevar, to listen to things, understand things, to be mevar, without getting into the nekudas now. Like he said, and sometimes it shows the opposite nimsa. So it emerges that at least at that time you couldn't rely on doctors at all because whatever reason you have to rely on one cohort, you have to rely on the other one and they're saying opposite things. So what are you going to do? They themselves don't know the first thing that they're doing. By the way, it's mashma strong from here that when doctors do know, and when there are very clear, demonstrable studies, right? Now, not talking around the corona issue. Radiation and chemotherapy work, right? Around the entire world. I don't know what the, what the, what the statistics are. I'm sure if there are ever who know a little bit more. But this is a universal, globally accepted mahalach. Is it the best? No. Does it work all the time? No. Is it terrible? Yes. Is it horrific to experience? Absolutely. But it's universally, globally accepted that this is a patent to prolong people's lives, right? This is not doctors that are themselves admitting that they're so confused and don't listen to us, we don't know what we're talking about. It's not that Indian. It's just not that, it's not that Metzius. Rabbi Nachman is speaking about a certain Metzius where the doctors themselves are admitting, It's not the case today. An 80% of medicine that's globally shared, it's not the same today. Just not. It's not. And so Batur Hishtadlus today, it's a very, very different story. Because again, Rabbi Nachman wasn't negating Hishtadlus. Rabbi Nachman was speaking within the realm of Hishtadlus, in the circumstances that existed then, what to do. 
But today the circumstances are very different and therefore the parameters of Ishtadlus change as such. This I think is the mainstream Breslov opinion. All the Breslov Mashbim went to doctors. I believe this to be true. Reb Chaim Kramer writes this in his book Crossing the Narrow Bridge that this does not apply today. It was very, very strong on that. We find they, they, they went to doctors. They, under, they knew the Sicha. They understood the practical application of Rabbi Nachman meant to say in other contexts to be very wary of things, not to be so trusting, and to, and, to, and, to, and to really start to understand is this something worth relying on in any area, maybe even in the area of medicine. Can't throw the whole Indian of medicine. You know, it's very nuanced, different areas, different times, etc., etc. But at the same time, they, they went to doctors. We find that. So we have to be very, very careful here. So Rabbi Nachman says, to such people, how can we give our lives over to them? Because our lives, when we give it into their hands, it's, it's, it's reliant on one hair's breadth and one wrong move. One, you can imagine what surgery looked like then. You understand what we're talking about? You have to look up a little bit, do some Google searching, look at some of the tools, look at some of the sanitation, you know, look at some of what they were dealing with at that time. It was Pashit that Ibn Akhman is saying, not even, it's common sense. I mean, they were, they were killing people mamish, not because they wanted to, but because that was the state of medicine in Ukraine in, in, in mid-1800s. The early 1800s. That's just the way it was. They were killing people. Sometimes they helped people. Many times they killed people. Says Rabbi Nachman, the statistics aren't worth it. Better just rely on davening. So Rabbi Nachman says, Tali Not like today they have robots that do the surgeries. You know this? Heart surgeries, complex heart surgeries. The doctor is sitting there by a machine. He's not anymore, the surgeon is not anymore operating. Sits by a, by a machine precision to take care of exactly what needs to be taken care of to prolong a person's life 40 years. 40 years. Who's going to take achrayas based on sichonun? For all the decades of years that people could have lived had they not taken this to a, de to a desperately horrible and horrifically wrong extreme. Who's going to take a cries for that? Not the Rebbe, because that's not what he said. That's not what he said, ever. Not what he meant, certainly not. Chas Because we have to be aware of the Metzius. But he says back then, when it was with their hands and when they didn't have the right equipment, so one wrong move, when you open a person up and you're fiddling around and they don't know what you're doing, one wrong move, you kill the person. You, you irreparably damage them. Heart surgery, irreparably damage them. And he's a murderer. We see that. Not we. They saw that. Not saying today doesn't happen. We're not, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not making a comment on exactly the exact nature. I think everything is nuanced. I think there's truth everywhere. I think the world is big enough with 7 billion people for you to be able to find whatever it is that you're looking for, I think, today. Doesn't mean that we have to make our decisions based on the fact that everything is true, because there is an objective truth, and we have to do a lot, a lot of examination into an akuda with an open mind to both sides before coming to any conclusion on anything. That's my personal feeling, without getting into the depth of each and every situation and circumstance, right? But back then, it was certainly true. Back then, it was certainly true. Roiv hapa'amim. 
Most times, says the Rebbe, it's an exceedingly complex study. Exceedingly complex. It's very, very, very hidden. Like all the different bones and veins and sinews in our intestines. Very, very, very complex. Without making any mistake. To try to escape from before the Ma'id. Right? A person shouldn't say, I should do nothing. So what should I do? I should do nothing with this Nusach. Because people presumed that that was the Ishtadlis. How can I just see my, my you know, Rahmanallah's son, not mine, but a person to say, to see his child or, 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 his, or his relative or his best friend or his Rav or, or his sitting there without, without helping him, without doing something for him? Says Rabbi Nachman, hold on one second. He says again. Not because the shtadlus is, is, is foolish and pointless. The Rebbe never would have said such a thing. But that within the realm of ishtadlus in and of itself, he says, what kind of ishtadlus is it when you're doing something more dangerous than simply letting him sit there? How's that ishtadlus? Because it looks like you're doing something, be doing something worse. Says Rebbe Nachman, bitur ishtadlus ki be'em because after, like we said, this hishtadlus is no hishtadlus at all. It's the opposite. And the doctors are far more, you know, likely to do harm than to do good in that situation. You're going to anyway have to come to rely on Hashem. So do yourself a favor and in your hishtadlus rely on Hashem right away. Don't make the, the, the situation of the sick person more precarious than it, than it currently is with your own hands. Very strong, sharp. Very strong. The doctors in his time, Ukrainian peasants essentially, who knew nothing, and were, were, were doing surgery with like a crowbar and a, and a, and a wrench, you understand? That's how he called them. And he says, let a person rather think to himself, it's as if I'm living in a desert and a forest and there's nobody around. And I have to rely on Hashem because there's no one to help me anyway. Says Rabbi Nachman, just because you're living in a city with so-called doctors, you also don't have anyone to rely on other than Hashem. And so rely on Him right away. Even though you live in a place where there are doctors and there is medicine, because they themselves were so confused in this. Not that Ibn Ahmed is saying the Chachma doesn't exist and there's no such thing as the Chachma medicine and it's and it's Usr. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Rapa Yerape. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Koyach to the, to the doctors to heal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it that way. Ah, Kodesh Baruch Hu also wanted us to realize and recognize, and this is something like I mentioned in the beginning, that is Shavalach al-Nefesh can apply to all of us no matter what our stance is on the current medical situation of coronavirus and all of it, is that we need to remember that even while we go to doctors, if that's our thing, 
we need to remember, Ani Hashem Reifecha. That it's not the doctor who's healing. And that in as much as it's our Hishtadlus to go and to try to get help and to try to get healing, but Hashem and our reliance on Him and our tefillah needs to be equal, at least an equal level of Hishtadlus. Meaning to say, not in terms of how much of it we do, but in terms of how seriously we take it. At least equal. That our tefillah works. Reliance on Hashem works. Yaakov Avinu prepared himself with a doron, with a matana, with milch- for a mulchama, but with tefillah. That was also, part, again, part of his ishtadlis, his tefillah. So we need to remember that. Hashem gave permission to doctors to heal. Virapa yirapa. We have to remember that at the end of the day, credit where credit's due. Megalgazan tzchus al yidezakai. And a Kodesh Baruch who sends angels in many cases. Mamish angels. Angels to the world to help people. But we need to remember... Ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's doing everything. And so he says like this, Then they were so confused in this there's so many things to be concerned about about medicine. It's, it's not enough that it's not going to help if you go and rely on doctors back then. It's going to be worse. Why should you get involved in something because you think you need to do a shtadlus when it's not a hishtadlus? It's just not a good idea. Says Rabbi Nachman, remember this well. Because Rabbi Nachman wasn't just shooting his mouth off about something he knew nothing about. He knew the big doctors of the day. Rabbi Nachman understood it. And he warned us very, very greatly to stay away from them. It's impossible to fully give over everything that he spoke about in this regard. Rabbi Nachman said that there was a king, historically, and he got rid of all the doctors in the whole entire country. Because it came out that they were doing, again, collectively more harm than good. Rabbi Nachman said, again, a very sharp thing that Chas Shalom doctors who study to help people and genuinely do shouldn't think that it's speaking about them just because you see the word doctor. That doesn't, right? It, one word can have many, many meanings. And we have to be aware of what those meanings are and how they are meant to be applied throughout history. But Rabbi Nachman says, The Malachamavas has such a hard job. And how could he be in, in all places at once? There's so many people to kill. It, it's hard to get up in the morning. It's a whole day, a whole hit list. Do you imagine the Malachim of his hit list? Very, very hard to take care of all that himself. So he says, Like, like you know, his, his, his coverage, he has to cover the whole world. He can't do everything himself. Good, so he puts, he puts in every place a little bit of a messenger for him. And those messengers of the Malach HaMavis, again, in Rabbi Nachman's time, were the doctors. They are sent to kill people. Because, again, they are mamish killing people extremely. And I want to stress this again. If you happen to be of the opinion that doctors today are conspiring to, to murder people because of population control and whatever it is that you believe, not getting involved in whether that's a good thing to believe or not a good thing or a sane thing in my opinion and who cares why is it better than your opinion who cares but one thing I will tell you you cannot point to this sikh and say 
Rabbi Nachman was a prophet, so prophetic. Look, he, he, he describes exactly what's going on today. He doesn't, okay? Even if that's what's going on today, Rabbi Nachman had nothing to say about that. And he did not foretell that because this sikha was speaking about the nature of medicine in the early 1800s. Nikuda, period. Can't stress that enough. Very, very important not to take Rabbi Nachman and to twist him into a pretzel to fit our own agenda in, and, and in the process, making a mockery and a chil Hashem out of Breslev. Very important to make sure that we don't do that. Let's be honest, clear about what the Rebbe said and what the Rebbe didn't say. We can have our opinions. Don't put that on the Rebbe, though. Don't, don't put that on the Rebbe. That's very, very important not to put that on the Rebbe. Very, 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 very key. Let's finish up quickly in the next week. Ah, Sichon and Aleph. Is Hashem next week. So strong and powerful, but we need to get through this. This is also important. Again, Rabbi Nachman said about those doctors, fortunate is a person who stays away from them. Now this applies to each of us, whether we go to doctors or not. To be soimech on Hashem. And going to a doctor doesn't necessarily negate that today. Both can be true. We daven for the success of the doctor. We daven for the success of the refuah. People send around names for Tehillim. Rahman a friend of mine, the baby went into brain surgery this morning. This year should also be a schus, a schus l'refuah shalema. And they send out Tehillim not because this is what they're doing, and that they just want people to just daven because they don't trust doctors. No, the doctor is doing the doctor's thing, but that doesn't either mean that we don't need to consciously rely on Hashem for everything, for everything, for everything. So that's always true. This is a common theme in Breslov. You find this in the Kutum, uh, a little bit of Aran, but really in Chaim Aran, a lot, a lot, a lot about this. Over there, it's not so strong. This is the sicha where it's laid out Rabbi Nachman's philosophy on doctors, which of course is a misconstrual of his shita without beating a dead horse here, but because it was his opinion on a very limited circumstance that doesn't necessarily apply today at all. And he might have said, Something very, very different today, likely would have. Rabbi told us to stay away from them. No matter what the situation is, better, not because you're not doing hishtadlos, but because this is your hishtadlos in this situation, vis-a-vis the hishtadlos, which is a non-hishtadlos of going to doctors back then, to lift up our eyes to Hashem, Yishem Hashem Levad, and to rely on Hashem alone. And he says, This uh, Rabbi Nachman himself was Isaac and Rufus and Lember. Rabbi Nachman was involved in very lofty things. The whole trip was something else. This whole Asik with those people was something else. That are known to him. All of Rabbi Nachman's journeys, and he journeyed plenty, were absolutely wondrous. The things that Rabbi Nachman said about his wanderings, with every step I was misakinach, that, 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 you know, I'm bringing the whole world to the kafzchus, every step he took, and on, upon returning from a certain trip, I can't remember which, he said he was misakin, the sin of Yerav and Benavat, and, and, and all the different things, the places Rabbi Nachman was traveling to, right? Why he went to this place before that place, he had said, whoever knows why Eretz Yisrael needed to be in the hands of the Shivim Umais, and only then in the hands of Eretz Yisrael will know why he went to this place before that place. Devarim Niskavim, very, very deep, hidden things. Nobody know what he did. He disguised himself. 
He had his in Yanim. Which we describe in Chaimaran in different places. Very, very deep. We have no idea what he was doing on those journeys and what his avoida was. Like after one of those trips, after returning, he didn't travel with thousands of chassidim with a whole entourage with uh, you know lights and sirens. None of that. He went alone. He went alone. He would write letters to his chassidim from the different places. Nobody knows what he did there. Nobody knows. But when he came back from one of those trips, he told an awesome story from Supuri Maisius and he said, in this wondrous story, it tells the secret of his travels. Who can, who, can, who can say that they understand the secret of the stories that, that he told? Like I read in Akdama, you know, about this book, I read in the beginning of the story of our lives, that it's, we're scratching maybe the surface, it's all but Eich Efshar. We, we don't understand that a 500-page book on a tiny story, we don't know what we're talking about, Bechlal. If we can find a little bit of Eitzes and Avoidah and Avodah Hashem, that's not to say that this is what the story of the lost princess means. It would be a fool to say such a thing. Anybody would, right? To, to really understand these stories. his trips, and all of his awesome ways. It was the same thing. They told him in a Shemaim that his avoid now was to get involved with medicine. But it had nothing to do with what he held of medicine. It was two completely different akudas. And what he did was not for anybody else to do. Mam is just for himself and because of mystical reasons. When he came back from there, he spoke ever more strongly about distancing oneself from, from Rafuas. If he felt it was the right thing to do, it's not this thing. Oh, for him, he had a different standard. No, he loved his chasidim kalevu kenefesh. You see that. If he really thought it would be good for them, he would tell them to do it also. He had no agenda here. Rabbi Nachman was Isaac and Saidus. When he came back, that's when Dafka, he spoke stronger than ever about this nukud of Amar Az Kama Tyrus al He spoke very, very much about this. He had always spoken about this, but when he came back, he spoke about this even more strongly. So, I hope that we managed to learn the Sikha in a way of balance, in a way of understanding, trying to be makshiv to what Rabbi Nachman is saying and to what exactly he was speaking about and not to just take you know, a small, uh, small quote and, and run with it, but to really try to understand where Rabbi Nachman was coming from how strongly he felt, and how, and with this will end, how clear it is that this Sicha Nun is not a statement from Rabbi Nachman of Breslev on the folly of being Osik and Ishtadlus. That, that, that's not at all what this is. Let's stress it one more time. Adarabah. The whole Sicha is a Sicha about Hishtadlus and about weighing out what the better Hishtadlus is. That's what the Sicha is about. It's not a Sicha about Amuna versus Hishtadlus. Not that. It's about really analyzing the different means of Hishtadlus before us and to really figure out, am I doing this just because everyone expects me to do this or is it actually going to be helpful? And to then, again, always with regard to no matter what we choose, to rely on a Kurdish Baruch Hu, to remember that's also Ishtadlus. Emunah is also Ishtadlus. Tefillah works. Relying on Hashem works. Making Him a part of the process works. 
being machshiv and understanding and believing that a Kaddish Baruch who can do things, can change things. Hatteva Machayev Kachar Ben Achman says throughout Lukut nature demands a certain reality. With tefillah, Mishana Hatteva, davening changes the reality. To remember all of these messages, Be'esiyata Deshmaya, next week we're going to dive into Sichonun Aleph, which is mamish. Pile plus. Really, it's worth the whole safer if you could say just for that sicha. So please join us again next week. And um, looking forward. We should only know good things. We should all be healthy. And we should all manage to really, really feel, mamish feel, a healthy balance in our lives where we can identify the proper ishtadlus, but at the same time not allow for that to negate our emuna, not allow for that to negate our reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rachamim, davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thinking about Him, making Him a part of our lives. That's what this whole thing is about. Not to busy ourselves all the time with debates and this and that. Who really knows anything? Who, who knows? Who can say for sure? We don't have a Navi. So, naniach, leave the whole thing. Try to grab any little bit. Take from that time we spend on all the chats talking about this and pro-vax, anti-vax. Little bit capital to Hillam and another and another Chumash Rashi. No, no, it's Shtuyot. It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Mamish, seize, seize every moment. Mission oriented. There were Yidin that gave up everything. Al Kiddush Hashem, we should live lives of Kiddush Hashem to be alive. We should all be healthy and happy. Thank you so much for joining Ashrenu. Mamish. Thank you so much. All the best. Kaltav. We'll see you, Be'ez Hashem, Thursday.